I'm George Sleffel. And I'm Damian Fowler. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. The Current, as you know, is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data privacy, all explained in plain English. And today, we speak with Mike Venables, Head of Media and Managing Director at City. Now, Mike is a longtime agency vet who has held stints at Hearts and Science and Ogilvy. We're going to be speaking to him about what life is like on the other side, as well as his media strategy and how he's trying to drive business outcomes during a moment of transformation for the iconic city brand. Hey, Mike, you spent 15 years on the agency side and now your client side, you're with City. You know, what would you tell someone who is thinking about making that switch? And, you know, one of the things that I've heard is, you know, life is really better on the client side. Uh, you know, do you think there's any truth to that? Look, I, I, I knew that I wanted to move client side for quite some time. Uh, you know, ha- after working with so many incredible brands in my agency life, I, I wanted to be really thoughtful about the company and the brand I was joining. To your point on on life is better, I think life is just what you make of it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all still trying to do great things and, and deliver great results for a brand uh, or for a company. And so I think the mission remains unchanged, but I... I do think that sort of the role you play in the stakeholders with whom you interact with definitely changes a little bit. City has always been kind of a brand that I've admired. And the role I took was a, a newly created one to oversee all things media and kind of bring together all of the great talent and, and people and the work that was already happening uh, on the media side at City. And to kind of build out the practice and the capability and and future-proof the investment, which is you know, a lot of what you're tasked with uh, doing on the agency side, right? It's the idea of kind of building out the media team, I think is something that we're seeing more and more brands do, right? It's never been more important than now to try to future-proof what you're doing from a media standpoint, right? With all of the changes from a consumer privacy standpoint and really thinking a few steps ahead as opposed to what does my ROI look like today based on today's investment? I think we have to have a little bit more foresight you know, I've been a Citibank customer since the mid-90s and I, when I came to the U.S. And, you know, I really haven't looked back. It would take a lot for me to change banks now. So I'm guessing people don't really change banks like they might change, you know, their car brand or something. I'm curious, you know, from your point of view, how do you market into this? The idea, you know, that people remain pretty much with the bank that they start with. Well, I, I hope you continue to never look back, Damien. <laughs> banking is so much more than just you know having a, a checking account or a savings account, right? A banking relationship today, I think, is much different than it was. It's much more evolved and involved than it than it maybe has been in the past. And lack of retention for one is 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 acquisition for another, right? And so, City is a company that really stands for something. You know, our our mission is that we enable growth and progress among the communities that we serve, and you know, that progress, it, it, re- it kind of manifests itself in many ways, right? But not the least of which being our point of view on some of those really important societal issues and the issues that kind of the world is facing today, you know, social issues or environmental sustainability issues. And, and I think City's a company that, you know, even in the face of some of the most polarizing discussions, t- takes a point of view, right? And stands by it. And I I really admire that. And I think that that sort of brand purpose is is something that's become much more important for people as they select companies and they, you know, whether it's financial services or, or other categories. But I think the purpose behind the brand now more so than ever is a critical part of that decision making process. 
So, you know, you jumped right into this brand in the midst of this kind of, we might say, cultural flux, this point, you know, the pandemic and on all the other things that are going on in society. What does it mean um, to do that? And what does it mean you mentioned taking a point of view? What does that mean from a marketing point of view for a bank to take a point of view? I think it's it starts from the top, right? And I joined City as really as as Jane Frazier was first starting to take office as the CEO, and she has just breathed uh, kind of a new life and momentum into into City as a brand and as a company. When City comes out and says something or talks about an investment that we're making, that is something that the whole company and all of the employees rally around, right? And it and it sort of comes through in everything that we do. And and nothing's more indicative of how seriously a company takes this stuff than the investments that we make, right? So it's really important to to put your money where your mouth is, especially when you're a bank, right? And so in short, we really believe that making investments that help enable that progress in those environmental, social, and governance issues are good for business. When it comes to your particular, you know, assignment, what you do there, you know, I wonder what your main priorities have been, especially when it comes to new media strategies at City. Having come in right into, like I said, a newly created role, I would say that the one area that I've probably over-indexed most of my time is in measurement. I think that, you know, media measurement in our industry is as broken as it's ever been, unfortunately. It's it's in a really, really bad place, right? The The answer to... What is the ROI on my media investment involves, you know, multiple sources, disparate data sets, working with large media ecosystems that don't love to play nicely with one another. You know, some of our longest standing measurement tools have now come into question, right? And um, accreditations have been lost. And and so all these challenges, too, are, are just exacerbated by all of the, the changes that are being driven by consumer privacy, right? And so... When you add all of that up, it is so much more difficult now than it was 10 or 15 years ago to really quantify what the impact is of your media investment, which is unfortunately probably the most fundamental question that we all need to answer uh, in in media. And so I've been really sp- spending kind of an inordinate amount of my time just on on that and and really trying to create more transformative measurement that is built to withstand, you know, some of the changes that are going to be taking place and that already have taken place from a privacy standpoint. And and we're making real progress there. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about where it's going. In terms of the big picture, you know, the brand itself, you know, the industry itself bears relatively low differentiation, I guess. The differences between major banks maybe to the average person may not be that apparent. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious, how, how does City strive to sort of set itself apart you know, from the other major banks, uh, you know, how important is that brand awareness to customer retention? I've always said that I love working in categories that have low differentiation because that's when the marketing is kind of the the difference maker when it comes to people making their choices. And, you know, obviously the stakes are higher, but I think having that kind of skin in the game just brings a new level of energy and and it really kind of rewards authenticity and creativity and all the things that we love to do as marketers, right? So I, I love the challenge of having to kind of outsmart the category um, because maybe the products don't necessarily always sell themselves. So we do really try to set ourselves apart through our brand. And we uh, earlier this year, we launched a new global creative platform called For the Love of Progress, which is really sort of the articulation of kind of what we stand for. Um, and, it, and it kind of 
talks about our, our accountability to enabling the progress in the communities that we serve. And the love part is really about sort of our, our passion for creating that progress, right? And for striving for excellence in everything that we do. So, so that messaging, right? And that platform kind of sits atop any product level marketing that we do. And it really serves as our point of differentiation as a brand, and all of the measurement stuff, right, is all about how we connect all of these investments together to create more longer standing customer relationships, right? And, and quantifying the impact of the investment, whether that's in performance marketing channels or, or in brand building. Financial institutions have entered a new paradigm in marketing where all of the old stuff they've relied on has gone. But now, uh, you know, the banks have traditionally relied on loyalty, but now it's technology that's shaping that shaping that customer journey. Do you agree? 100%. 100% agree. You know, we've uh, kind of come out publicly and talked about a, a, a transformation that we're going through right now from a technology and, and digital standpoint. You know, the technology and the data that sort of passes its way through that technology ultimately results in, you know, the effective marketing that we deploy, right? And, and I know we talk about pri privacy ad nauseum, but when you have an audience sort of base that you can look at across their devices and, and, and you can go out and make sure that you're talking to people in a way that is cohesive and sequential in the way that you want it, you know, all, all, all of the tech and the, and the data that sits beneath that ultimately just creates more impactful moments that you, that you can engage customers in. Right. And it's like, that, that's like the real person talk implication of, of the technology part of it. So I think the technology is, is an enabler, but it's, it's also a critical bedrock, right? And, and without it, then you kind of don't have effective marketing in 2021 and beyond. You know, traditionally banks are perceived as brick and mortar establishments, but primarily they're now digital. You've actually said that 90% of the time banking is a digital experience. You know, how has that changed the way you market your message? Yeah, so obviously the, the pandemic has sort of accelerated digital usage in a lot of different categories, right? And managing one's finances are certainly no exception to that. And I think it ends up becoming a balance. You know, City, we, we have a really strong kind of physical branch presence in, in a handful of markets, but there's also a lot of markets out there. We are completely a digital bank, right? And our presence is 100% digital. And, you know, I think we, we want to balance the fact that uh, obviously, the the consumer behavior, right? The overall pandemic driven behavior is one that shifts to everybody can sort of operate in a lot of ways end to end in a digital capacity. But there are definitely instances and certain audiences and consumers that still want kind of sensitive interactions, right? And and in person or, or or live interactions, and so we need to be able to deliver on that as well, right? It's all about delivering on customers' needs, whether they are comfortable with a seamless digital interaction or whether they need some some live human sort of touch as part of as part of the conversation. Can you talk about that that human touch like sometimes when I walk into a bank, uh I'm 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 directed towards a machine when I want to actually like work with a person. Uh, do you feel that kind of takes away from that human touch at all? We have spent a lot of time thinking about that, right? Like what is a bank branch um, in, in years to come? And the way that we're really thinking about it is that it's an experience, right? And it's a, it's a more experiential. Um, we actually are calling them experience centers. So we just opened a branch. Uh, it's our flagship branch. It's at our global headquarters at 388 Greenwich in New York. And 
it is so much more than a transactional bank experience. There's there's a massive sort of touchscreen that can be used for people who come in who want to get information on products. There's also actually like a kids section where you can kind of entertain kids um, and then give some education on where money comes from. And there's a conference room that clients can come in and actually use and, and host meetings in. And so I think the the future of retail banking is really sort of a digital first experience, right? And the steps that precede someone walking into a branch are such that the experience in that branch cannot just be transactional because I think we've all trained ourselves that the transactional elements of business can be done digitally and are easier to be done digitally. And so so that's where I think we're we're thinking about retail as more of an experience. The shiny new object in in advertising right now is the metaverse as you know it's 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 something everyone's discussing i mean do you believe that we're going to get to a point where i'm going to do my banking with city in the metaverse i mean do do you see a point where where we get to that reality well i i think you know you have to look at what young people and children are are going through their lives consuming and, and interacting with to help predict what will become more mainstream as those audiences become, you know, sort of mass audiences. And so if you look at um, kind of the metaverse, right, and and the um, different platforms that younger generations are just using as a, a normal, not even a normal, but like the, their favorite parts of their lives in, at a lot of times, unfortunately, um, you know, I think we can't ignore that. And I, I, I think... Uh, as time goes on, right, and as different environments are kind of built out in a little bit more, you know, business and commerce friendly way, I, I certainly think that there's opportunity and that, you know, opportunity will first be part of sort of innovation and then we'll move to mainstream. But I but I do think that, you know, you got to you got to look at those generations as kind of a, a microcosm of what's to come. Let's step out of the metaverse into reality again. You know, in September 2020, Citibank named Jane Fraser as its CEO, the first woman to lead a major U.S. bank. And that was obviously a groundbreaking moment. And it was done in the middle of a crisis. I mean, I'm just curious to know what did this appointment mean for the bank and and generally for the whole private financial sector? Jane's been with Citi for some time, but her stepping in as CEO has has definitely breathed new life into the into the bank and into the people and into the culture. And, you know, she's she's made some very powerful decisions in her early days as CEO. In fact, on her first day, right, she came out and, and she said that we uh, are making a commitment to get to net zero greenhouse gas emissions. And that doesn't just mean in our own operations, but because we're a bank that also incorporates all of the um, companies that we're financing, right? And so the investments that we're allowing our partners to make. And I think overall, she just brings a level of um, transparency and pragmatism to the culture at City that I think everyone is rallying around. She definitely has established a culture where you're celebrated for questioning convention and and conventional thinking because our bar is set at excellence, and if we are anything less than excellent, then we're we're insufficient. I want to touch on climate. Last month. I was covering the Web Summit in Lisbon, Portugal. And for our listeners who don't know what the Web Summit is, it's Europe's largest tech conference. Uh, this is where startups are are born. And my thinking is, is, you know, technology is 
at the heart of everything that is advertising today. And if if the startups are now focusing on climate technology, it's it's something that you know we're going to see more and more of in the near future. You mentioned cities' efforts in this arena. Could you give our listeners an example of what one of cities' long-term goals are in in achieving net zero? Well, we committed one trillion dollars with a T. Um, to sustainable finance by 2030. What that actually means is that we're we're going to be financing climate solutions. So like renewable energy and clean technology, sustainable transportation, right? And and but beyond just the purely environmental stuff, it also includes things like education, healthcare, and a number of other areas, right? So um, so that that's that's a that's a dollar commitment that we've recently made as as kind of part of this overall commitment to net zero. You know, it's certainly an exciting and challenging time to be a marketer right now with all of these things that are happening from climate change to the acceleration of digital media. You know, from a from a broader business perspective, you know, what are the other new trends that you're seeing in the industry as a result of all these things that are happening? And, you know, how is that going to affect City's approach as you look to the future? There are a number of things, right? But the the one that we've sort of been wrestling with is, you know, I think, especially in digital, right, we use models all the time. And many models, right, especially when you think about like media mix modeling, and some of the models that involve more sort of breadth than depth, they are, they're largely based on several years worth of data, right, to help build a stable data set to be able to forecast what's going to happen next. And if you look at the past, say, two to three years, right, how, how could you possibly use pre-2020 data alongside post-2020 data and, and think of it as, as the same? There have been so many changing consumer behaviors and the, the world has just changed, right? Everybody's perception has changed. So I, I think we need to recalibrate our models and in light of the pandemic, right? And I think we need to do so that in a way that incorporates more recency bias, which could be challenging because what that ultimately results in is you have fewer inputs to sort of project out what a model is supposed to project out. So I think that's a challenge. I don't I don't think there's an answer out there necessarily, but I do think that there will there will be a shift towards using um, a bit more recency bias, a bit more real time data to predict the future than maybe in in the past where we used sort of years worth of data to, to help forecast what will happen next. So you can't talk about marketing today and, and brands without mentioning diversity. It's, it's, it's been a hot topic. It's been front and center, not just in uh, the advertising world, but, but everywhere. Uh, I want to know what steps is, is City taking to contribute in the diversity arena, both with its workplace and in its marketing? Do you have any insight on that? This is an area where we really put our money and our actions where our mouth is. And, you know, in terms of external impact and and how we're sort of thinking about that, we have uh, a program that we call Action for Racial Equity. And we've just announced that in the last year, we invested a billion dollars in partner organizations and kind of key initiatives to help close the racial wealth gap and to help improve economic mobility for everybody in the US, right? And so that that involves better access to to banking for communities and audiences that are 
considered the underbanked or the unbanked, right, that don't feel like they have access to that, communities of color, a supplier diversity program that is absolutely massive and spans the breadth of our business with a specific investment in Black-owned businesses. There's a, a affordable housing and home ownership component to it. There's a anti-racist practices part of it. And then on top of it, right, we want to make sure we're holding ourselves accountable. And so we actually hired a third party to do an audit on that work on on our action for racial equity initiative and that will help inform our work going forward so this is this is one of those areas where we feel it's so important that we can't just grade our our own homework on and we want to make sure that we are truly doing the right thing and then in in marketing right we've actually we've come out and we've established some expectations when it comes to our agency partners. So we have specific benchmarks that we require our agencies to meet when it comes to diversity, both in terms of the teams that they staff in our business, as well as at a certain level of leadership and, and what the what makeup of teams looks like from that standpoint. So this is critically important for us. It's It's woven into the fabric of our mission, and it's something that we take super seriously. And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next week we'll have Christina Wooten, VP of Global Brand Partnerships at Roblox. The metaverse is really about jumping in and experiencing that with your friends. So if you talk to people who their first concert was on Roblox with Lil Nas X, you know, they really talk about it as a memory and like an experience that they had rather than something that they saw. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Loving Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikic, and Kat Vesey. And remember, it's never been more important than now to try to future-proof what you're doing from a media standpoint. I'm Damien. And I'm George. And we'll see you next week.